Hello and welcome to the Donor Egg Mama podcast for soul-led intended parents considering a donor egg pathway and parents of donor egg conceived children. I'm your host Adele O'Connor, a qualified fertility coach and proud donor egg mama. I'm just a normal mum that went on an extraordinary journey to conceive. I hope this podcast helps you in some way to break free from emotional overwhelm, face your fears and find the courage to move forward and bring that baby that's on your heart into your reality. Let's talk openly about our emotions and all topics donor egg IVF. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to Donor Egg Mama podcast and episode four. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome my first guest on the Donor Egg Mama podcast, Mickey. Mickey's a member of my Donor Egg IVF Facebook group and contacted me once she'd listened to my podcast episodes and heard that I was really excited to talk to other women about their fertility journey and how that was making them feel. Mickey shared with me that she's been on a fertility journey spanning four years and is now moving to Donor Eggs. She went on to tell me that she's experiencing a sense of loneliness on this pathway, which I have to tell you really breaks my heart because I know there are so many others out there that have gone through this journey and are going through it, but it's still a subject that isn't widely spoken about. She feels that by sharing her story, this can only but help others who are going through a similar journey and in turn, hopefully she won't feel so lonely either. Mickey and I have literally just met and decided to jump straight on a Zoom and record a candid conversation to share with you all on her story and how that's impacting her life. At this point in the show, I need to let you know, listeners, that there is a trigger warning for sensitive material ahead and we will be discussing in quite depth miscarriage. So if this is something that could cause you anguish or upset, please be prepared. So without further ado, a very warm welcome to Mickey and thanks so much for being a guest today. So can you just start by telling our listeners about your journey so far, the emotions that are coming up for you and how this is impacting your life? Good morning from the UK. My journey started in 2000 and. Uh, um, 18, where my husband and I decided to come off of the pill. Actually, I was on injections, and well, 2017, I came off, and they said try for a year, see what happens, and it didn't. Then I went on Clomid for six months. Then we started to start, decided to start our IVF journey. We were getting married in 2019, so we decided to hold off because I didn't want to be a pregnant bride. Mm-hmm. Started in December 2020 when COVID hit, which was fun. We went originally through the NHS and then the doctor recommended a clinic. So it actually was really close to home. It was like 25 minutes away. Everything was really easy. I really loved the clinic. Um, I fell pregnant in the September, uh, through the August, sorry. Um, and unfortunately, I had a severe case of OHSS. So for the benefit of our listeners, OHSS is ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome which is where the body can produce huge amounts of fluid in the ovaries and sometimes large amounts moved into the abdomen and can also leak elsewhere and fill the lungs 
which unfortunately Mickey experienced. So it, it sounds a bit silly things, isn't it? That what you remember when you go through your journey. Yeah. On the egg went in. I rang my mum and said, "Oh God, I'm crying. I can't believe I'm, <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm at the beginning of a journey. I'm already crying." Whew, right. That's okay. It's okay. So, it's raw. It's it's you know it's it's a full on journey. And I think people don't get it. Yeah. You haven't it. Yeah. Like my husband's amazing, but he doesn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I really feel um, terrible saying that mm. because my husband little, but they just men don't get it. They process and much differently don't they they just want to fix things and they it's hard to for them to really connect deep inside with it all right and i think because he's already got two children yeah he's well i'm all right and yeah. i know that that's not his brain thinking but sometimes it come it comes across like that um so anyway sorry i digress so um going back i had the um egg put in on the saturday and I rang my mum and I said, oh, I, feel, I feel really bloated. I feel like a Christmas ball ball. <laughs> That's the words I use. Two weeks later, Monday, or about 10 days later, we were taking the printer test on the Wednesday. And I said to my husband and my mum, I said, I feel really odd. I'm going to have to take myself to A&E. I took myself to A&E. I couldn't breathe. So obviously during COVID, if you're yeah. short of breath, either stay at home. And because this was 2020, it was like the, we were all in lockdown still. There was nobody in the hospitals. Um, so I went in and they, they could take an x-ray. And I said, I'm really sorry, but you can't until I take a pregnancy test. I'm supposed to be taking a pregnancy test on Wednesday. And they said, we'll take one here in the hospital. And I was like, I'm not finding that out in the hospital toilet by myself. Yeah, like, fair enough. Fair enough. So they sent me away with an asthma pump. And I was like, brilliant. Thanks for that. And then on the Wednesday, I did a printer test in the morning, found out I was pregnant, Woo-hoo, really excited, went out for dinner to celebrate, and I got up from the table and I couldn't walk. Oh, my gosh. So then, I'm crying again. Oh, I feel I haven't, I haven't told this part of my story for such a long time. Oh, okay. oh and that was two years ago. So. Yeah, yeah. So then I got taken to hospital. I got there about 10 o'clock, and by 3 o'clock they'd done an x-ray I had to start my life away I did an x-ray and they'd found that my right lung was filled with fluid three quarters oh my and was God. going into the so then I stayed in that night I was there for a week I happened to pack my house I was moving house also on the Friday and obviously I was still pregnant and I wasn't allowed to do anything or they, you know, they do say don't do anything, try not to do anything stress-related in your in your two-week wait and after. Fortunately, on the they were then the private clinic were then monitoring me because of the OHSS. Yeah. Um, and it got to about it got to eight weeks, I think seven weeks and five days. I went in for a scan, they went, I don't think we can hear a heartbeat. Let me get someone else in. Someone else checks it. So I'm not 100% sure. And the third person came and said, no, def- no, it's not there. That was on the Thursday. And then I realised, obviously, because nobody tells you this, yeah. um, is that once that happens with a private clinic, you go back to the NHS. You're yeah. kind of, uh, I felt, disregarded. Yeah. Um, I On the Friday, I went to have um, a scan again. Yes. And... And, and it was decided that I would have a 
in tablet form a miscarriage a missed miscarriage absolutely fine so I run my own business so at the time I run a performing arts college and we start uh, our academic year in September <clears throat> so I had all that to deal with new students coming in I run a university course so new students coming new part-time school kids coming in faculty and, and all sorts so I went to work on the Saturday I went to work also on the Monday it was the first day of my college and I went to the hospital at one o'clock in the afternoon and I got there and they said something along the lines of well you didn't have two scans with the NHS we need to do it again so they did it again and the inconsiderate doctor decided to leave the scan up on the uh, ultrasound facing me brilliant dead fetus like really just inconsiderate absolutely what's just like just no thought process so that was at the monday then i took the tablet tuesday i went to work again wednesday oh and i asked the nurse should i should i drive in should i not drive in no you can drive yourself in not a problem okay fine i have no idea what to expect i haven't googled anything because yep. i always think sometimes google things isn't the right way forward because you know if you google something you're going to die tomorrow aren't you you know it's always yep. the worst case scenario I went in, drove myself into the hospital. I got there, I think, 8 o'clock in the morning, and COVID said totally by myself. No one was allowed to be there. And the process started, the most horrific process of my entire life. And this is why people shouldn't go through this, like, at all. Mm. I think um, because of COVID, it was really difficult doing it by myself. So if there are women out there, yeah. Thank you for joining me, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you need somebody. You know, God forbid that um, you go through a miscarriage and you have to go through this. You shouldn't be on your own. You should absolutely not be on your own when you're experiencing a miscarriage. And it really surprises me and upsets me to hear that in the hospital settings, uh, women that are going through miscarriages often just aren't treated with that absolute sensitivity that they need at this so traumatic stage in their life. And, you know, to be given as much information as possible about what's going to happen when they have to take that miscarriage medication and to ensure that they are supported throughout that that time because obviously it takes time for that miscarriage to occur and yeah to be 100% supported I'm so sorry Mickey that you went through yeah I I think that there is actually there's nothing in place for people Mm. if they're on there I don't think there is because I've spoken to some people um friends of mine that have had miscarriages and they're in the same place yeah you know it really it's, and that's not talk, miscarriage is not talked about. It's like taboo. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's why we all get so upset about it. Yes, it's tragic and it's absolutely horrific. And everyone has either been there or knows somebody that's gone through it. Excuse me. But if we talked about it, it would normalise it. It wouldn't be so taboo. Yeah. You know, it's, it's everything needs to be normalised. And that, in this, especially in this day and age, with the way we have social media and we have forums whatsapp groups and you know everything else and how we can now connect via zoom you know ten thousand miles across the world yes. it needs to be talked to. definitely i um, understand and also 
talked about and for women to be given tools on how to deal with it how to deal with the grief yeah rituals that you can do to help yeah you know process the death of the baby and that whole dream and you know all the all the time that it's taking you to get to that point it's it is like this invisible grief that you know you can't process it when you're not given any parameters for it you know you, you barely talk, tell anybody it's it's really I think that makes it it's so much worse because you know did it you really- did you have to just go to work in between those in between that that yeah. happening where you went to work on the Monday you just put on like I do it's like a self-defense mechanism yeah. I smart and I call it jazz and and it's just yeah everything's fine but knowing I had a dead fetus inside of me and that I was going to have a, a miscarriage on the Wednesday and it would be taken out and I'd be back to work on the Friday. It's so like, what? That's, and I talk about it like such in a nonchalant way and it shouldn't be. Mm. It's, it's, you know, I mean, and that is, I think that is detriment to myself because I am one of these people that is, if it hasn't worked, let's move on, let's get on with it. That's why I've done six, like six IVF treatments in five and two years. That's, I think that's really hardcore on my body, mentally, physically, that's a lot in two years yeah and people do that and more you know absolutely and it, and it is it's all part of the fact that we just think that we can just go through something as tragic as a miscarriage and the physical pain and the mental pain the emotional pain and then just paint a smile on and go to work as if nothing's happened not because you're a yeah, not not taking away from anything away from you but because that's the expectation from society yeah. that's, that's just the expectation and it's so wrong yeah. So wrong. I'm extremely lucky. I run my own business. I don't, you know, I, I can. I don't have to be there. Mm. Um, I like to be there most days, but I don't have to be there. But there are people that need to go to work to earn money. Yes, and you know, there is there, and I do, do feel there's some kind of shame against miscarriage because mm. we, as expecting mothers at the time, think it's our fault. Did we lift that box? Mm. Did we? I don't know, eat the wrong food, mm. did we ourselves out, you know, whatever it is, it, the blame on, well, it's still in my head is that we can't blame anybody else because it was only us that was carrying the baby. Unfortunately, very sadly, up to one in five pregnancies end in miscarriage before week 20. And unfortunately, you know, it can be due to so many different reasons, but most definitely, It's never anything that you've done specifically. So please, if you're going through a miscarriage at the moment, or you've just found out that, you know, you're you're going to have a miscarriage, that it's not your fault. It's 100% not your fault. And unfortunately, there are so many reasons for um, causes of miscarriage, generally chromosomal abnormalities. It could be a uterine abnormality, a blood clotting disorder, uh, autoimmune disorder, there's so many different things it could be and I hope that you get an answer because sometimes it is just unexplained as well which can be really really hard really difficult to process and I just want to acknowledge the fantastic work of in Australia the Pink Elephant Support Network so if you're going through a miscarriage at the moment please go to the show notes and look up the Pink Elephant Support Network 
They've got fantastic resources to help you if you're going through a miscarriage. And also in the UK, there's Tommy's who are also a fantastic foundation and and can also offer you a lot of help if you're experiencing a miscarriage at the moment or have experienced a miscarriage in in the past and perhaps never got a chance to grieve it or um, acknowledge that miscarriage. And also an amazing thing that's happened in Australia, thanks to the Pink Elephant Support Founders, they've actually been advocating for compassionate leave, paid compassionate leave in the workplace for parents who are impacted by a miscarriage. And you are entitled to five days paid leave for a miscarriage by your through your employer. So please, if you are going through a miscarriage, make sure you take that time off to take care of yourself. When, whether yeah. you- whether you've just started trying or you've been trying for a long time it's just such a absolute blow and the fact that you feel like it has to be secret makes it so much much worse because you can't get the support it's hard to get that support from people it really is yeah Mm. because people just don't understand yeah did you tell me any anyone at all did you yeah I'm, I'm really quite open with it um I told all of my members of staff, because I wasn't in. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I, and I'm, I don't like lying and I'm not a very good liar either. So <laughs> I think it's better to be honest. And then people are just more considerate, you know, they understand. Yeah. Um, and, and I've got men and women on my faculty. Uh, my best friends, I told. Uh, my husband's family, I told, because his sister, um, who, who's actually migrated to Australia, um, she's in Sydney, um, she's had gone through IVF three times. Um, and has got a beautiful eight-year-old now. Um, my best friend and her sister have both gone through IVF. So it's so normal. Yeah, yeah. There's so many people that have gone through it and have had, you know, every journey is so different. No one has to say that everyone is so different. So, so different. And so what happened for you next? How, how did you recover from that and move forward? So, uh, yeah, terrible, horrific experience. That was on the Wednesday. And then I drove myself home. So if anyone has ever had a miscarriage, I didn't realise that practically you, it's like giving birth with contractions, but no one told me that. So for the next 24, maybe 36 hours, I paced up and down. I live in a townhouse. So I paced up and down my townhouse in absolute agony on the Thursday. And I went to work on the Saturday. So I'm pressing pause on my conversation with lovely Mickey from the UK and just want to say how extremely grateful I am to her for sharing her story with such openness and bravery because it takes guts to be publicly vulnerable and it takes guts to talk openly about taboo topics. However, without brave IVF warriors and mamas-in-waiting like Mickey, the stigma and solitude felt around miscarriage just continues. Clearly, this is all very raw still for Mickey, and yet she's driven by a greater purpose to help others as she navigates her own unique pathway to building a family. She's also making sure that she gets support from a fertility counsellor to help her work through all of the feelings that are coming up for her. I just want to add that there are advocates working hard to create more awareness and remove the stigma and shame surrounding miscarriage. If you haven't already seen the heart-wrenching documentary made by filmmaker Tanya McManus, I highly recommend it. It's called The Misunderstanding of Miscarriage. You'll find the link to it in the show notes. 
I'm going to end this podcast with a quote from Tanya that reflects the spirit of this episode and Mickey's experience. So Tanya says, women are so resilient and adaptable. We put on a brave face, but it's also okay for us to struggle. We need to be armed with the tools and resources to help us process our grief, honour our loss and move on to find fulfilment in our lives in whatever way that may be. So if this episode has touched a very raw nerve for you, I hope that you find solace in knowing that you are not alone and that there is no shame in experiencing miscarriage. There's nothing that you did to start the miscarriage. There's nothing that you could have done to stop it. And you did nothing wrong. And all of your feelings are so very valid. I want you to know that there are support networks out there to help you. And I'll list as many as I can find in my show notes. Again, a huge thanks to Mickey. And we'll hear from her again soon as she generously shares more of her journey. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch. And if you'd like to share your journey, I would love to hear from you. In the meantime, from my heart to your heart, I send you love, grace and blessings on your journey. Bye for now. Dear listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, you might want to join my free Facebook group called Donor Egg IVF Emotion Support. It's for attended parents considering a donor egg pathway. There are beautiful people there from all over the world and I'd love to see you there too. If you're interested in connecting or finding out more about the online courses that I offer, all the links are in my show notes. Sending love and bye for now.